Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. I think we should give a, a hand to our, uh, our team this morning who led us so well. Thank you, guys. Because I'll tell you that when you have to stand up and speak or sing, it's not as easy as it looks. It's not as easy as it looks. And even if you have to, if you've ever had to get up and sing in public or in front of people, and that first word as it comes out of your mouth that's got to come at the right, you know, volume and, and pitch and all those things, and, it, you know, there's a little bit, of, little bit of pressure on that. Have you, have you ever experienced that where you had to get up in front of people? Um, yep, yeah, you've done that. So the, all the worship team, just so you know, they're at the back doing this right now. Um, there is a little bit of, of pressure there. I have some experience with this. You know, when I was younger, I remember I wanted to be in a school, you know, choir, whatever it was. And so I decided that I was going to learn. I had to, do, I had to go to tryouts, you know, and so I went there and, you know, I, I sang and, and, and they chose me, would you believe it, to have a main part, which is pretty exciting. And I, was, I can't remember how old I was, but it was pretty exciting. So I went home and I got the, you know, verse that was given to me. I had to sing this whole thing on my own. It wasn't just with everyone else. I had to sing this whole thing on my own. So I went home and I learned it and I was singing it around the house. And I, I gave the words to my mom and I said, I think I've got the words. I'm going to sing it. Let me know. She said, hey, you've got this. And, and I had it. And so I went along that, that very night, like I knew the words and I went along that night and I had to get up and sing in front of people. And I will tell you right now, there were hundreds and hundreds of people that were all watching. Of course they are because you're the one singing. So there's a few people ahead of me and I walked up to the microphone and the lights were shining in my eyes and I couldn't quite see everyone, but I knew there was hundreds of people there. And the person is over on the piano playing the music and I know that my moment is coming. Now I know all the words. And right as it gets to the moment that I need to sing, I forget everything. I go fully blank. So now I'm just nodding and looking at everybody and I'm thinking, what is going to happen next? I can't remember one word. I look over at the person playing piano and she's smiling, although I think that smile was thinly veiled through frustration and like, come on, we practiced, you know this, right? And so she's doing things like this. She's going like this. Now, let me tell you something, everybody. When you don't know the words, this is not helpful, okay? <laughs> I'm like, what is that supposed to do? What I need right now, lady, is words, not your hands moving around in a circular motion. So she's doing this and I go, ah, oh, I remember one line, only one line. So I, I sing that one line and I get to the end of that one line and what do I have next? Nothing, so what do I do? I go back to the start and I sing that same line again. Still had nothing, went back. I, about four times I just repeated that same line and I finished singing and I walked back to where everyone else was. And you know what they said to me? Well done, you did great. Shut up. I know that I did terrible. Don't tell me I did great. Everyone knows I blanked and I forgot the words. And you know, it, it, you know when you have to get up in front of people and, and speak publicly, you know, it, it, it's a little bit nerve wracking at times. And I, I just forgot everything. It's funny because in private, 
I knew everything. But when I was on display, I went, I got all shy. It was the same information, but when I was on display, suddenly I forgot everything. So this is what is weird. When it comes to public speaking, and I don't know if this is still the current stats in, you know, 2022, there's lots of things to be afraid of. But for many years, public speaking, the fear of public speaking was ahead of death. All right, well, let's play those two scenarios out, everybody. (laughs) One, you speak and maybe you don't do a great job. And what do you incur? Maybe the, you did great from people, you know, or something like that, right? Now, the other thing that people are afraid of is death, right? But what, you know, the end of that is, yeah, death. So, so on the one hand, you've got public speaking. If you bomb, you still breathe. <laughs> death is death. It's pretty final. I don't know how to sell that any better. So, so, but people are so afraid of public speaking. So they give you lots of tips, things to do when you're speaking to people. They say, picture everyone in their underwear. Well, I want you to know something, everybody. I have never done that. And I swear to God, I'm not doing it now. I think it would be very distracting for me. It would not be helpful to me. So, so, but they say these things, you know, to try to help you uh, to get over it. it. It's funny, as soon as you have to get up and speak to people and, and you're on display, or if your voice goes above others, multiple people are listening to you. It's funny how people get uncomfortable. But you know, I've, I've discovered that you know, your growth zone is often outside of your comfort zone, but it can still be in your grace zone. Yeah. You, you get that? Your growth zone is outside of your comfort zone, but you can still be in your grace zone. You have a grace in a space that is uncomfortable to you. And if you ever want to challenge yourself to grow and to go deeper in your relationship with God, oftentimes you've got to get out of where you're comfortable. I've learned that following Jesus has made me get out of my comfort zone so many times. And even to imagine, I think it's wild to imagine that, you know, for me to get up and speak publicly when for years that made me so nervous and, and uncomfortable, but, but it happened to be God's calling on my life. And I wonder how many times people miss out on what God's asking them to do because they're not willing to leave the space of their comfort to step into the unknown, even though they have a grace for it. I was at uni and, um, you know, many years ago, I think I was 21 years old, I had recommitted my life to Jesus and I was getting comfortable with the idea that I was now a Christian. Once again, was, wasn't, was, you know, now I'm back and I'm getting comfortable with this idea. I'm at uni and my uni lecturer says uh, in front of everybody, is anybody here a Christian? We're at, it's a uni lecture. Is anybody here a Christian? And nobody was putting their hand up. And I thought, well, this is my moment. I said, I am. He said, great. Would you mind coming out the front? (laughs) Yes, of course, I'd love to do that. (laughs) I go out the front. Next question. Is anybody here a Muslim? Hand goes up. And he goes, right, would you come out the front? I said, okay, this is getting interesting. What's going to happen next? He said, what I'd like you to do is try to convert each other. 
So now, I mean, you want to talk about being on display. Now, here I am trying to speak to this guy that is just as uncomfortable as me. And he wanted us to just, what he was looking for was tension. And he was trying to create this tension by, you know, getting us out and trying to speak to each other about our faiths. What he was looking for, hopefully, was an argument. That's what he really wanted. And, and I'm just saying to you that, that there, are, there are moments in your life where what is private and what you're good at and comfortable in private will suddenly be on display. It will suddenly be on display. You know, we don't tell you this stuff before you make a decision to follow Jesus. That comes later. We figure, you'll figure it out. There will come a time where you'll be on display and sometimes it could be school if you're in high school right now. It could be at lunchtime and suddenly something happens and your Christian values come to the surface. They come to a head and you think, I don't know if I can go any further. And if they say why, you're going to have to say, because I'm a Christian, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. Or you could be at work and you won't wear a specifically coloured lanyard and they say, what's your problem? And you're like, I guess this is my moment. Uh, because I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. You could be in your sporting club and it's, uh, you know, everyone's going out and having drinks afterwards and it's getting out of control. You're like, I've got to go home. Nah, stick around, mate. Nah, I can't, you know. Uh, what's your problem anyway? Uh, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. This is not my scene, you know. There are so many moments in life, school, uni, work, it doesn't matter, where what has once been private will suddenly become public and it will be on display. And then you will have a choice. And you will have a choice whether you hide what you've got, or you can put it on display. You can hide or you can be honest about it. And it's always been this way. Nothing's changed. Even back in Jesus's day, you remember the story where, where Jesus came along to his disciples and, and he asked them if they would be followers of him. And what did he say to Peter? He said, if you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. And that sounded pretty good to Peter. And he's just witnessed an outrageous miracle. And he says, you know what? I'm in. You'll notice that Jesus didn't lead with, follow me and you will be my martyrs. <laughs> yes, he didn't lead with that. Why? Because Jesus is smart. He's got to get them first. He knows how to fish for people. So he gets them first and after they've said yes, he decides to teach them some things. So you know, notice when he, he, initially when Peter signed up for being a follower of Jesus, I don't reckon he fully understood the costs that would come, the costs that would be attached to following Jesus. And Jesus didn't give him that information either. He just said, follow me, I'll make you fish as a man. Ah, oh, that's great, everybody, let's go, you know. And then later on, he starts to teach them some things. Three years later, it's going to get pretty serious. I want to tell you about a time when he decided to teach not only his disciples, but a whole heap of people, a great crowd had gathered to listen to the words of Jesus. In Luke chapter 8, verse 16, Jesus told everyone that was listening this same thing. He says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar. Now, when you think of a jar, don't think of like a, a washed out Cotty's jam jar that is clear. The jar is clay. 
so it would completely conceal the light, yeah? So what Jesus is saying is pretty obvious here. He says no one would light a lamp and then put a clay jar over it or they wouldn't put it under a bed. And I reckon around about this time, the people that are listening were probably thinking, well, duh, like, (laughs) you told me this guy was worth listening to. Apparently, fame has spread around this Jesus, and this is, this is his deep teaching. Don't light a lamp and cover it. Wow, powerful stuff. But Jesus is about to get pretty, pretty serious. What he's saying is so obvious. It's meant to make you go, yeah. Like, I guess the modern day equivalent would be, no one first unscrews a light bulb and then turns the light on. And you would go, yeah, of course. This is stupid. What a stupid thing to do. Well, it would, it would be absolutely pointless. You're meant to think like that because he's about to make a very significant point. As obvious as that point should be to you, this next point should be just as obvious. That's his point. He goes on and he says, but putting it on a stand, like a light stand. You know, light stands, lamp stands are associated with the presence of God. They're often associated with the worship of God. What's he saying? He's saying that this, this worship of the God that we serve, it should be what? On display. It should be on display. It should be open and everyone can see it. This worship of the, and, and having the presence of God in your life. Having the presence of God in your life, that should be on display, not relegated to some private back room and only okay, you know, when you're in your own house, but but actually where you walk, where you live, where you go, who you speak to, uni, work, school, sporting club, doesn't matter. It's always meant to be on display. Wouldn't it be awesome if people met you and said, there's something different about you and you're like, ah, yes, that is the presence of God permeating my life. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, that's kind of the point that he's making, isn't it? He says, so that those who enter the house may see the light. Palestinian homes were one room. So you put a light on, it lights the whole room. Verse 17, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. That means to make it so obvious that everyone goes, oh, we can see that. Nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So what he's really saying is, is that your works and your witness Okay, what you do, how you display your faith, he said that's going to be revealed. And then Jesus says something. He, he makes a point, it's actually really a principle that he has made at a number of different points uh, or places in the scriptures. And he says in verse 18, take then, care then how you hear. And he's talking to the whole crowd. I only mention that just so none of us thinks that this is not for us. This was for everybody that was listening. Are you listening today? Okay, well, to the 20 of you, this is going to be a riveting message. Everyone else, hang on. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, I don't know about you, but it does seem to me a little bit unfair that the haves get more. Yeah? Some of you don't think so. I think it seems a little unfair that the haves get more. And yet Jesus says this all the time. He has said this so many times in scriptures and scriptures, and you can go back and read it in a number of different places. And it's not just 
you know, Luke's account of the same thing that Matthew said, he makes a number of points. Think about the parable of the talents. He gets to the end and he says, all right, we'll take from the one who has, or, 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 does it, or the one who had the one talent, give it to the one who has five. He seems to make this principle that the ones who have, they seem to get more. I just think that it, it seems a little bit unfair. But you know what? I guess it depends what he's talking about. Because he's not talking about money. And he's not talking about possessions. And he's not even talking about salvation. Okay, once you've got that thing, it's yours. So he's not saying, well, the ones that have got salvation, they'll, you don't get more of it. That doesn't make sense. You know what he's talking about? Revelation revelation he's talking about the deep things of god the ones who have revelation will go deep with god and get what more revelation but the ones who have not the ones who don't hear properly and ignore what they hear and get on with their lives you know i guess the modern day equivalent could be say coming into church every week and feeling like you're spiritual because you're around church, you're stood in worship, but you leave and you don't make any changes in your life could probably be the equivalent. And so if you want the deeper things with God, here's an important question to ask. What are you doing with what you've already heard? What are you doing with what you've already heard? You know, we don't, we don't wanna be those people that come into church and say, teach me something new. Come on, what do, you, what do you got, right? Honestly, most of us who have been in church for five years, we've probably heard a lot, maybe at all, I don't know. But what are you doing with what you already know? I've been chatting with people recently and, and, and so many people that I speak to say, yeah, you know, when it comes to faith and God and Christianity, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm probably just not doing it. What are you doing with what you've heard? The, the point really is that as Christian people, if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have the luxury of hearing and ignoring. You don't have the luxury of hearing and ignoring. Jeez, it is quiet in here today, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> you don't have the luxury of hearing and ignoring. You need to act on what you hear. And just imagine if every church around the world did the same thing, you know? We could probably change the world in a couple of weeks. We just hear it and obey it. We have to do something with what we hear. Can I tell you that being a Christian is not theoretical. It's, it's very practical. It's profoundly practical. And we see it in so many places in the Scriptures, don't we? You know, James talks about it. Come on. If you have faith, you must have works. There's got to be something that we see, some kind of evidence that you really believe it. How do we know you believe? Ah, it's because of what you do. Can you believe without acting on it? I don't know. It's a really kind of a, a, a tricky thing. So to break down what Jesus is saying to the crowd that day, to make it even clearer, He's saying that if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of God, and today, you know, we could interpret this very easily for us. Jesus has since come and, and died on the cross and forgiven people for their sins. So if you're a follower of, of God, you 
Actually, just want to make sure this point lands really well. Could you just do me a favor and look at the person next to you and say, you. Look at the person on the other side of you and say, you. All right. Now, the only way that you get out of this is that you are here today and you are not a follower of Jesus. But if you are a follower of Jesus and someone just said you, you know, it's about you. Okay. You are responsible to provide light. You are responsible to shine that light. You are responsible to act in such a way that the presence of God is clearly displayed in your life. You are responsible to do that. So people who don't know Jesus will come to know Him. Yeah? Some of you are just not clapping. (laughs) Oh, you're definitely not going to clap at this next point. (laughs) All right, here it is. Jesus will know if you don't do it. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you want to do with that? Jesus will know. What do you think that whole last verse was about? He said, remember what he said? He said, take care then how you hear. Take care then how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. The one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus is saying, I'll know what you do. I'll know what you do. I'll know if you are hearing my words and are shining your light and I'll know if you are hearing my words and nothing is changing in your life. And the ones who shine will get more revelation. They'll be taken into the deeper things of God. And the ones that don't, that walk in and walk out and don't have their lives changed or they don't act on behalf of what they heard. Those guys, what they have will ultimately be taken away. And he says, I'll know. How savage is this? I think it is. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said in Matthew 5.14, He said, You are the light of the world. Thought You are the light of the world. Wait, Jesus said that? Yes. Who is He talking to? The church. Wait, isn't Jesus the light of the world? Not if you ask Him. Hey, Jesus, who's the light of the world? He goes, Oh, the church. So you are the light of the world. And you're meant to be shining that light. He said in verse 16, Matthew 5 verse 16, He said, Let your light shine before others that they may what? See your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is so serious about you being the light. And He says it in multiple places, multiple times. So now... My words are going out and some people will hear this as information and some people are going to hear what I'm saying today as revelation. And there's a big difference between information and revelation. If you hear what I say today as information, you'll afford yourself the ability to walk out with no life change and what you've got might be taken away, according to Jesus. The ones who hear what I say today as revelation might say, yikes, I better change. Yeah, I, you know what? You're right. 
the presence of God needs to be displayed in a public sense, not just in private, not just behind, you know, my office door or at home in, in my lounge room. No, no, my faith needs to be on public display. Don't, don't listen to what the world tells us. The world tells us, okay, your faith is private, not according to Jesus. I mean, well, come on, like, like you know, who, who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to Jesus or, or what the world says we should say about our faith. You, you know, regardless of what you might think, your faith isn't meant to be private. It is meant to be public. Why? Well, come on. Naturally, how else are people going to know who God is unless somebody goes public? Unless somebody is out about their faith? You know, the, the Scriptures say that the harvest is plentiful. Yeah? Yeah, we just have a labour shortage. That's, that's the only problem. And as I look around today, in this age, in this culture, I mean, gee, the harvest really is plentiful, isn't it? I mean, Jesus said this in a day to a culture that loved God. And we exist in a culture that for the most part do not. So our problem is probably more that we have a labour shortage. So back in Jesus' day, he decided, and I could read this passage of Scripture, but I'll just explain it to you for the sake of time today. Jesus realised that people needed to understand that the kingdom of God, the good news, was coming near to them. So he sent out his disciples so that they could go and preach the good news. And he sent them out to a village. He said, go and tell everyone. And he gave them some tips along the way so it would help them and make them successful. The first thing he said to them is when you meet people, the thing that comes out of your mouth is peace be to you, which is an Old Testament greeting. But I thought there's some good strategy in there too, isn't it? Like if the words that you bring were peace be to you, like that's your opener. Like, what are you opening with if you want to talk to people about God? Jesus said, you know, hey, peace be to you. Like the message that we bring is, is one of peace. Hey, did you know that God loves you? Where do we, what's our starting point? Do, do we, when we want to speak to people about who Jesus is, is our starting point a place of correction or is it a place of peace? Are we looking for the differences or are we looking for something that's actually going to knit to their soul? He says, peace be to you. And then he said, hey, if a spirit of peace returns to you, like in other words, if they say, welcome, I would like to have this conversation, let's converse. He says, go in and, and chat with them. But if they say, I don't want anything to do with what you're talking about. What did he say? He said, well, just walk away. Shake it off, Taylor Swift. Seriously. Shake it off. So you present a message of peace. They're not into it. Shake it off. What's it to you? He said, you know what? You bring a message of peace. God loves you. I don't want to hear anything about that. Fine. I shake off the dust from my feet. Be weird if you did that, actually did that, but this is what Jesus said to do, right? 
So if they don't want to hear about it, cool, move on. But at least present the gospel as a message. Don't argue. You're not there to argue. Hey, can I tell you, by the way, that we don't argue people into the kingdom. Because if you can argue someone in, some other guy that's really smart can argue them out. It's a matter of conviction. Conviction comes by the Holy Spirit. We're not there to argue. We're there to present. We're presenting the gospel, the good news, and the kingdom of heaven. And if they like it and the Spirit is at work in their heart, they'll be convicted and they will say, this is fantastic news. And if it's not happening and they've got a hard heart and they resist it, well, you just move on, Taylor Swift. Shake it off. That's what I'm saying. You get the point, right? So, so, so then he says to them, now when you go in, let's say they do say, I would like to converse with you. This is a wonderful conversation. Let's continue. He says, go in and eat with them and just eat whatever they serve. And it wasn't like he was saying that because he thought the Samaritans would serve food that wasn't kosher because they kept the same you know, food laws as the Jews. It was merely a matter of the the quality of the food. So we're talking the difference between steak and hamburgers, okay? So, you know, he says, if if you walk in and suddenly they're like, oh, hey, I would love to hear the gospel. Let me serve you something. And suddenly you start to find a place of division where it's unnecessary. Don't pursue that. He said, oh, come in, sit down. And so they come in to sit down and and the disciples, I mean, sit down to to share the gospel. And they say, hang on, is this Wagyu beef? Wait a minute. Oh, no, I only eat Wagyu, right? No, no, I'm sorry. I just can't do this. I can't do this, right? Wait, is this plant-based? Is this a a plant-based burger? Because I will not eat it. He he says, says, gosh, it would have been terrible if they were vegetarians back then. Maybe they were, I don't know. Anyway. He says, whatever they serve, eat it. You know why? Because why would you, at the point of being able to share a message about the kingdom, would you look for a place of division? It's astonishing to me how many times people do this. Looking for division where there is none. It doesn't really need to be there. Jesus is saying, stop getting distracted with peripheral issues. You know, keep the main thing the main thing. You're there to tell people that God loves them. And, and, and so sometimes what people are going to want to do is, is drag you down the side streets of, of, of the big idea, which is that God loves them. You know, the gospel message. Well, hang on, wait a minute. Uh, what are your views around LGBTIQ stuff? Let's, I tell you what, that's a great starting point. Let's begin with that and if we successfully navigate that non-controversial issue we'll move to the gospel how stupid does it sound when i say it out loud but how many people end up in arguments about side issues and it is a side issue because you're not going to convert people based on what your belief is around that thing it has to begin with hey god loves you because if they don't understand that, what is there to respond to? We only love him because he first loved us. Okay, that's smart. What are, what are the issues that we could get caught up in? I tell you what, let's just navigate global warming <laughs> and stewardship of the earth. And should we successfully navigate that, we'll move on to the gospel. God loves you. But let's be, why would you begin there? What would you say? Oh, that's a side issue. Correct, it is a side issue. So how many side issues 
Do you think you need to work through before you just get to the big idea? God loves you. Jesus paid the penalty for your sins on the cross. And if you choose to follow Him today, you will live for Him with Him in eternity. Like, what if we just kept the, the main thing, the main thing, and just presented the gospel? That first, the other stuff is secondary. Listen, if people don't believe that God exists, and if they don't believe that God loves them, why would they buy into anything else after that point? You know? Like, it kind of makes sense. You could see G- Jesus was a genius in the way that he taught his disciples how to approach important issues. He said, just eat the food. Don't worry about it. Well, you know what? It might not be what you want, right? But don't make that a point of tension. Just make sure that you give them the gospel message. That's the most important thing to do. Now, I understand that we live in a culture that is hostile to the gospel, but don't chicken out. Don't chicken out. You remember what happened to Peter? Jesus said to him, Peter, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men, sounds wonderful. Peter is following him and suddenly things get incredibly hostile. And Peter says in the private space, he's not on display yet because remember, this is how it works. In the private setting with his Lord and Saviour, surrounded by good friends, the other disciples, he says, I will never deny you, Jesus. And Jesus says, actually, Peter, just to let you know, by tomorrow morning, you're actually going to do it three times. No, I'll never do it. Ah, yes, you will. No, no, no. Yeah, because it's easy when you're surrounded by your Christian friends in your small group at your church where everyone already believes what you believe. It's much easier to have a faith then. But what happens? Well, Jesus is arrested. He's, he's you know, being dragged before the Sanhedrin, the, you know, the religious board. And... Uh, A little girl, a little girl says, Hey, weren't you with, weren't you with that man? And he says, no, oh, not me. No, I've seen you. No, I'm pretty sure. No, right. What does he do? He said to a little girl. He, he has all the faith in the room with Jesus. Sometimes you can be so bold in your prayer closet, can't you? Right? But then you get into work and they say, wear this. And you're like, I don't know if that's the right color. Oh, I'll just put it on. Let's not, you know. You, you, see what I'm, you see what I'm saying? Not that you want to make that a point of tension, but it's like somehow you've, you're going to have to go on display at some point. Do you, do you know, you, you get the point that I'm making? And so what happens Peter denies Jesus three times. That's devastating. But then later Jesus comes to Peter after he has died and was buried and was resurrected and he meets him on the beach. And he says back to him three times, feed my sheep. In other words, teach my church. And he says, I will. And he goes, teach my church. He says, I will. You notice that he said it three times again? Okay, so here's the subtext of Jesus's conversation with Peter. Peter, I know you chickened out. It's okay. I'm not going to leave you there. I still believe in you. You're still called. You still have the grace of God on your life. I'm still walking with you. And I know you didn't, you didn't pass that first test. It's okay. There's more to come for you. And you can go again. And next time, make a different decision. Next time, make a better decision, Peter. I love how, how restorative Jesus is in that moment. 
He says, it's all right, you can, you can go again. And I think the same thing applies to you. Maybe there's been moments in your life where you've chickened out because you just thought it's not worth the hassle. But Jesus said, it is. He said, this is not theoretical what we're doing here. It's profoundly practical. And the reason it is, is because when people see the presence of God in your life and they understand who Jesus is to you and how Jesus has changed your life, it means that they might bear witness to that and they'll, they'll go, I want what you've got. Yeah, yeah. And it can change their lives. This is all of his point. My point to you today is that following Jesus will bring you out of your comfort zone and Jesus is okay with that. He's totally okay with that because it's in that space. That's where you grow. That's how you develop. If you want to go deeper into the presence of God, one of the best things that you could do is just start obeying everything you already know and doing what you already know is right. And, and in this context today, shine your light before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It will make a difference. Have you ever heard people say, uh, God will never give you a situation that you can't handle? Have you, you ever heard that? Yeah. yeah, of course you have. People, I've heard this all the time. I know where that comes from. I promise you it's not in the Bible. That's not biblical. Oh, God will never give you a situation that you can't handle. Yes, He will. He does it all the time. Like, all the time. And... The goal there is not for you to ever come up against a situation and go, oh, this is outside of my, uh, this would make me a little bit uncomfortable, so I don't think this is for me. Obviously, God's putting a wall up. No, no, no. He wants you to break down that wall, to move into that space. The reason why He gave you the presence of the Holy Spirit to fill your life is so that when you come up against a situation that you can't handle, you lean into the presence of God. That's how that works. Oh, God will never give me a situation I can't handle. It'll happen all the time. And if you actually step into the calling of God in your life and obeyed everything you heard, you'd probably face it every single day. You'd experience this all the time, which is why our lives are meant to be permeated with the presence of the Spirit of God. You know, one of the symbols for the Holy Spirit is oil. Oil is what fills the lamp. So the light is shining, but the oil is in the lamp. Do you get the point that I'm making? Yeah. If you've got the oil inside the lamp, you can keep burning bright. But if the oil runs out, the light will run out. Yeah. If you don't have the presence of God in, your, in you, you won't be shining that light anymore. You, you've got to get a handle on what God really wants to do. That's why Jesus said to His disciples, I want you to be my, after they were committed and saw Him resurrected, now He says, I want you to be my martyrs. They're like, okay, we knew this was coming. I want you to be my martyrs, but by the way, which means witnesses, or by the way, it is translated as witnesses in your Bible. It means martyrs, right? So you will be my martyrs, right? But by the way, wait for the Holy Spirit to come first and then go out and do that thing. 
wait for the Holy Spirit first. Because if you try to do it on your own, you probably won't do it. It'll be a situation beyond what you can control, beyond what you can handle. But wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the presence of God. And you get the Spirit of God in you. And then you start to shine your light. And you'll have what you need to sustain you through the difficulty. Look at what happened to Peter. You remember Peter who said, yes, I'll follow you. And then when the times got tough, and one of the first times he had to be on display, you know, he says, no, 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 I, I wasn't with that man. No, no, no. And then what happens? He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And after that, he turns from being scared of a little girl to an open air preacher to the very people that were happy to see Christ crucified you know, 50 days ago. He was taking a big risk when he spoke out. And listen to what he says, Acts 2.36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know, uh, therefore know for a certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Oh, who's full of oil now? Who's shining their light now? The guy that was scared, ducking and running for cover from little girls is now speaking to a crowd that crucified Christ. And he said, I'm with him and you're all wrong. And what happened? Thousands upon thousands and thousands of people gave their life to Jesus because somebody had the courage to shine that light into a culture that he thought was going to reject him. You might be just a little bit surprised to see the power of God at work in your workplace, in your friendship group, with your family. It's taboo. We don't talk about Jesus. Wow. Maybe try again. Maybe you chickened out last time. It's all right, our God is a restoring God. Go again, try again, have another go. Even in our own family, my, my, my grandparents, my grandma was a follower of Jesus. My grandpa was not. And we never really talked about that. But he was going to die. And I was sitting next to him in the hospital room. So I thought, what do we got to lose? I've got I to get this guy to heaven. I asked him a simple question. I said, hey, do you believe in God? We had a conversation that day. He said, oh, to be honest, this is what he said. His whole life, his whole life, he, he could not make a decision to follow Jesus because of this one little thing. He said, Ben, I don't understand how God could part the Red Sea. My answer was, all right, well, if God is God and He created the universe, parting the Red Sea was relatively easy for Him. And He says, you're right. And I didn't know where to go with that after that. I thought, all right, so we have momentum. Would you like to give your life to Jesus? He said, yes. And I led him in a prayer right then. And then he was losing his mind, like he would go in and out after that. But he made this declaration and he, he meant it. And it was still a couple of months before he died and we would go visit him and he would say some crazy stuff. And uh, I really wanted to know that what he said he meant. 
And I asked him this question one day. I said, hey, do you remember a few months ago, I, I led you in a prayer and he looked at me and suddenly he was fully awake. He was completely there. He said, I remember exactly what I said. I gave my life to Jesus. I said, I just had to know. I said, did you mean it? He goes, of course I meant it. He goes, I don't say things I don't mean. And after that, he was gone again. He was there for that moment. It's like God gave me a, a little gift right then. And, and, you, and you think, man, I wonder what's behind my lack of witness? You know, we, we, we got to, we got to shine that light. Church, we are the light of the world. I know you think it's Jesus. He says it's you. You've got to shine your light before others that they may see your, your good works. They see the presence of God in your, in your life. And then because of what you do, they respond to that. This is the greatest responsibility that we could ever have. That's why they call it the Great Commission. You know why it's called the Great Commission? Because it includes all followers of Jesus. So we're not waiting till some great evangelist comes along and just does it for us. It's us. It's all of us. We keep doing that and you watch. You watch what happens around you. I can guarantee what'll happen if you don't shine the light, but if you do, you're gonna change people's lives. I love that we get the opportunity to do this every single day. Don't be the guy that learns all the lines at home and then as soon as they're on public display, loses and forgets and walks away or goes silent, doesn't say anything. God's got so much more for you and your family and your school and your workplace and your sporting club. He's got so much more. Can I pray for you? Father, I just thank you so much for every single person that's here today. And God, we thank you for the awesome responsibility that it is to share this message called the gospel. We love that you love us. Everything we do, God, is in response to that. We, we, we give, we serve, we, we lay down our lives and we do it because of what you've done for us. And God, this morning I pray for people, maybe they feel like Peter. Maybe they feel like they chicken out and that's who they are. But I pray that they wouldn't make their identity around that. Jesus, you are a God of restoration. And I pray God that you'd come, that you'd fill people with the presence of your spirit You'd fill them with courage. You'd fill them with boldness. You'd give them wisdom. We're not going to start on side issues. We're going to start with the main thing, that God, you love us so much. And I pray, God, that from this room, that you would raise up so many people that shine their light in every environment so that other people who don't know you can come and find you. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.